WKNC 88.1 Raleigh. This is your host, MC, and tonight we have Miss Sarah Yassine here on the State of State, a show aimed at creating a better sense of community here at Raleigh in uh, NC State. So tonight we are talking about something called Behind the Veil. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that, Sarah? Hey, Megan. Hey. Behind the Veil is something that I started with the Women's Center two years ago. And basically what we do is we give non-Muslim women the opportunity to try out the veil for a day just to see what it's like. And um, today we're, today, tomorrow, we're going to make it a lot better than it ever has been because um, we're actually going to have Dr. Miriam Cook coming to talk about um, women in Islam in the United States. So it's definitely pertinent to current events. Cool. So you've done this before on campus? Yeah. Yeah, the first time um, we we had a pretty good crowd. The second time we didn't get to advertise it as much because I um, I just come back from studying abroad, so we did it a lot earlier than gotcha. we expected. Gotcha. So the first two times that you did it, um, where did the idea come from conceptually? Like, what made you want to have other people wear the veil? Well, um, I did leadership that year, and um, which is what. For those people that don't know what leadership is. <laughs> okay, I got you. Um, leadership is this thing that um, that I sign up for through CSLEPS, which is the Center for Student Leadership, Ethics, and Public Service. And um, leadership basically focuses on learning how to lead with integrity. And part of that is getting a vision and, um, and starting to think about the steps towards achieving that vision. And my vision for leadership was um, people understanding Muslim women for more than just the physical appearance. And part of that, part of my discussion about that, I realized that a lot of people had asked me, you know, that they they like learning about the veil, but they really wish that they could experience it. And so it kind of got my wheels turning about how I could um, do something that would incorporate actually being able to wear the veil with um, learning about it. So the first year we had women um, wear the veil for a day, and then we came back and we had a panel where um, women who had worn the veil before and taken it off or they've never worn the veil or they wear the veil, um, they, they kind of all came together and spoke about their experiences, and we gave people the opportunity to ask questions, and then we let the participants share their experiences. Okay, so I guess now is probably a little bit too late to mention, but you do wear a veil yourself. And so this is something that is close to your heart, obviously. Um, do you feel like people were scared to ask you about wearing the veil and like what it meant to you? Do you feel like it was kind of one of those taboo things that people feel like they can't talk to you about? I think that's definitely something that I experienced in the beginning. Um, I think that sometimes people feel like it's rude or inappropriate to ask questions, but... I realized that it was my duty as a Muslim woman who covers to um, to make it easy for people to ask me questions. So I try to be open and um, I I try to I try to go out of my way to to make sure people know that it's okay to ask me questions. But sometimes it's important to have those opportunities for people to come in and talk about it. Okay, so you mentioned that you're a Muslim woman that covers, so there are some that do not, correct? Yeah. And when is that choice or decision made for a person that is um, of the Islamic faith? Well, technically, you're supposed to wear it once you hit puberty. But 
I mean, just like with any expression of faith, you're really not supposed to do it unless you're ready for it or if you feel like it, it, it fits you. And, you know, there are some people who are, who do wear it for the wrong reasons. You know, sometimes someone's parents might force them to do it or, um, they might feel like they were in the place where they would wear it and then they might take it off. And I mean, I think it it just depends on the person. And I think that's a very big part of the program. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that when you hit puberty, is that the age for you or when did you personally feel like you wanted to cover? I decided to wear it when I hit puberty partially because I was in the place where I felt like I wanted to because most of my friends had already started covering. Um, and then my, my parents told me that I could wait. So part of that was, um, me saying, yeah, I can handle that kind of responsibility. I don't need to wait on that. So, um, but it was definitely a challenging year because that was the year that 9-11 happened. Okay. And you started covering beforehand? A couple of months before, yeah. Okay. And what were people's reactions when you began to cover? What grade were you in? Sorry. 10th grade. 10th grade, okay. Yeah. So you went to high school every day without covering, and then one day you just showed up and you were now covered. What were people's reactions? You're Muslim? So oh, really? Yeah. That was the first one. Um a lot of people just thought I was just like an average white kid and then <laughs> showed up covered up and some people were really confused. Um, it was a really good way to dodge people that I didn't like and because they didn't know that they just probably thought that I transferred schools or something. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty good. And did you feel like you got a lot of support from your closer friends or did people kind of question why you chose to do that? Well, I think overall, I think I was in a good place. So, um, I mean, I think the place where I was, um, people supported me and, uh, people, people like, people like to ask more questions because they felt like they knew me already. So that was, that was really nice. Um, I know that some people haven't had that advantage. So at least, um, I still had the same, same group of people and they just kind of got to know a different part of me. And so did you notice a difference after 9-11 being that it was only two months later? I think that. I felt like I had to talk about it a lot more, um, talk about my, um, talk about my faith and, um, how it played into the world and politics. And that was definitely interesting because I was always very vocal in high school, but nine eleven happening was definitely a different perspective. And I felt like it put me in a different spotlight. And so you mentioned this all happened in high school. When you came to NC State in our community here, did you feel, um, I guess, any discrimination or any odd looks or anything of that sort? Or did you feel more at home because it was a more heterogeneous mix of people? Actually, at NC State, it was a bit harder once I got here. Um, just because there, I realized that there are a lot of people who came from parts of the world or parts of the state or part of the country where they've never met a Muslim before. And I realized that it was my job to, to make it possible for them to be able to get to know me and ask me questions. And, you know, I've had more than one occasion where someone has come up to me and said, you know, before I met you, I thought that all Muslims were terrorists. And I thought that, I thought that, you know, I had this one certain idea of how Muslims were and, um, that, that's definitely been a life-changing experience. So um, that's been really important to me. And, you know, when I first came here, you know, I went through the stuff where um, I had Gary 
yell very loving things at me as I was walking across the brickyard. I think we all do, though. Yeah, that's true. Now he calls me his Muslim friend who's going to hell. So that's that's a nice improvement in our relationship. <laughs> at least the word friend is attached, I suppose. <laughs> um, when people came up to you and said things like you were the first Muslim that they had met in their lives, did this take some kind of um, like taxing toll on your personal... I don't know, like feeling as though you had to defend yourself all the time. Did it get old? Did it wear on you? Not really. I mean, sometimes it, sometimes it's, um, it's a little hard to always keep that on. You know, someone will want to have the, you know, the life conversation about religion and God. And sometimes I don't feel like it's the right moment. I'm really tired, but you know, I'll talk about it anyways. Cause I feel like, you know, as long as this is on my head, you know, I kind of have the responsibility to, to be able to explain it. So I enjoy being able to talk about it and um, and show that there are different perspectives. So, and I think that's a very big part of behind the veil too. Is that um, the the big point that I want to drive home is that every person has their own story, and um, you know, it's not promoting the scarf, it's not shafting it. It's just really just showing an honest picture of what life is like for Muslim women. And what are you expecting tomorrow, I guess? I'm expecting a packed house, but that might be wishful thinking. Um, other than that, um, I'm expecting some challenging conversations and definitely some interesting questions and um, really powerful experiences. What's a memorable story from um, the, one of the past two years that you've done this? One of the best things that I remember was from the first program um, one of the women that participated described what it was like for her in one day and she communicated some things that I had been feeling for years and I just didn't know how to verbalize and so in a way it kind of brought us together closer and I just didn't realize I didn't expect that at all and and that was really moving okay have you had anyone come in and just be utterly disgusted by the end of the day? Um, I haven't had that yet, but um, the event definitely ended up on a jihadist website, so like a like this jihadist watchdog website, and I don't know they they were saying some interesting things about I don't know about Muslims and me, so that was pretty pretty interesting to read. Did you respond to any of them? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were all nice things that you said, correct? Yeah, I just, I, I I calmed down, you know, and I just wrote down a long response because, you know, this, these, well, one group, I, I the jihadist one, I just didn't bother with that one. But um, this other guy who had blogged about it, you know, he, he was like, well, why, why didn't the Muslim women experience what it was like to be a Christian woman? Or, you know, why didn't they eat pork and... You know, why didn't they see what it was like for a Jewish woman? And, you know, it's not that it's not that I don't want to learn about other people. It's just that it's not my place to to do a program on what it's like to be a Christian woman because I'm not a Christian woman and I'm not a Jewish woman. So that's really that's not my place to do that. But what it's like to be a Muslim woman, I, I can you know, I can't explain that. So that that was kind of my my reaction to that. Would you be interested in participating in such programs if they um, were enacted here? I mean, as long as it doesn't violate my own beliefs, you know, I mean, I'll go to I'll go to a church. You know, I've been to churches before 
you know, I'll, I'll go to, you know, I'll visit things for other people's faiths. But I mean, I don't believe that someone should do something that violates their own beliefs. So if, for example, participating in behind the veil, um, violate someone's beliefs, then, then I don't feel like they should participate because it's more important for them to stay faithful to their own beliefs. How many people do you expect to have participating wearing the veil tomorrow across campus? That's a hard number to say because, you know, we have, we have Facebook and then we have people on the Women's Center's website. So I'd be happy if between 15 and 20 people did it. So I think, I think it's, even if it's just that much, I'd be happy with it. And what do you feel like the reaction of our NC State community will be to those 15 women that no, do not normally uh, cover while they cover? And what do you think people will say to them? I think just as with the past, I think people just won't really do anything, honestly. I mean, I think that, and I think that's the, that's one of the nice discoveries of it is that people really don't do anything. I mean, it's just, it's normal. You blend in a little more than you would expect to? I I think it's, I think so. I think that people just, I think that there's just a overall sense of, uh, you know, I'm at school, I'm trying to get stuff done. Um, it might be different in classes, but I think overall it's not like, I mean, the only person who's ever directly attacked me was Gary. And then um, when I was in college, Democrats, my freshman year, a couple of people would come up to the tables and say a few things. But other than that, I mean, it's it's very normal and it's good to experience that, you know, so. Um, you've also studied abroad, correct? Where did you study abroad? Um, I studied abroad in Manchester, okay, in the UK, and in Prague in the Czech Republic. Okay. And how were your experiences there um, in comparison to living on our campus here? In Manchester, it was a lot different because um, their their city is in their campus is incredibly diverse. Like our, we have a we have a pretty high amount of diversity here, but. Um, they have their diversity. The thing that's different about it is that it's a lot more separated, like the different populations. And I feel like here people mix a lot better. And um, the other thing was um, I felt like I felt like people were in different parts of the city, too. You know, if I if I went to one part, it was all Middle Eastern and um, and Indian food and all stuff. Then I went to the other side and it was like more English type food. And so that was really interesting. But at the same time, I really didn't feel like people had any problems with you if you were different. As long as you wanted to talk to them, they were fine with you. And in Prague? Prague was different because it was a program with 130 Eastern Europeans. And so, yeah, and also people from the former Soviet Union. And so it took a few of them a few days to start talking to me because they had um, a couple of certain preconceived notions about me. And um, a lot of them came from regions where um, they either had, they might have had bad blood with Muslims in the past or, um, you know, or they came from a historically Muslim country and it wasn't as religious anymore. So they, they definitely, we definitely had to work through some cultural barriers, but I think after that, that really brought us closer together. And that was really interesting. 
And after these experiences abroad, would you travel anywhere? Or is there anywhere you wouldn't want to go because of how you feel like you'd be treated? I mean, I'll go anywhere. And I mean, especially if it's a place where I feel like I would be treated differently because of being Muslim. Because I see that as a challenge. You know, people told me that when when I went to England that I would feel um, that people would probably be prejudiced against me. But I mean, it was fine, you know, and I really feel like at the end of the day, people want to write people off as ignorant and and, you know, and bad people. But really, you can't write off anyone like that because all they need to do is just meet someone that's like you. And even for me, I mean, I have I have those preconceived notions of people, you know, like I I met people from Kazakhstan. And honestly, I didn't really know anything about Kazakhstan except from what I learned from Borat. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's all I knew. And so talking to them, it was so eye-opening. Like, it was it was really great. So, I mean, I think we just all have stuff to learn, and the only way you can do that is through being exposed to other cultures. Where do you think people get most of their preconceived notions about you? Um, you mentioned Borat, so I guess, like, some of ours come from movies and the TV. Do you feel like the same is true um, because of your faith? Like, people get that out of that, or... Or do you think they view more like the CNN, Fox News um, extremist and see you in that light, I guess? I think that's part of it. Um, definitely the Osama bin Laden effect definitely has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I've I've gotten some off-the-wall questions because, because of um, that man. So, um, I mean, there's that. There's the media. Um, there's also just, you know, I think there's also a maybe a, a stereotype of Muslim women, which comes from um, the stories that might come from abroad. So, I mean, there are, there are things that do happen um, to women in Muslim countries, but um, that inequality comes from culture, just like there is inequality here and just like there is with anywhere else. And, you know, that really isn't something that applies to every single person. And so this veil that we are referencing on your head and on others' heads tomorrow, um, what is it technically called? Hijab. And what, is, what does that mean? Um, hijab technically is covering the, um, covering the body, um, everything except the hands, face, and feet. I hate my feet, so that's why I keep them covered, um, usually with sweet tennis shoes. But, um, or boots. Or boots. Cowboy boots. They broke. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, so it's supposed to represent modesty, and it's not just the way you dress, it's the way you act, too. So um, you're not going to see me on Girls Gone Wild anytime soon, hopefully. Darn it. <laughs> um, it. Yeah, so that's kind of a basic sum up of what it is. And do you ever feel restricted by that definition and those terms? Mm, not really. Um, I think there are some times when, I mean, I, I think as with any religious practice sometimes you're like okay I'm tired of this for a while you know but overall I mean I feel like when I started covering it it sort of empowered me because it made me it broke me out of my shell because I realized people are already looking at me so I might as well just be myself so that was kind of part of it do you feel like your veil defines you no, not at all. And I think that's part of the part of what the point I try to make through the program is that 
the veil is just part of who I am. Just like, um, just like someone's sexual orientation is just an, another part of them or the color of their hair or their, you know, their lip ring or, you know, it's just another part of what makes you who you are. Has this shaped any of your future goals? I mean, you, you obviously went to this leadership thing and got this idea and decided to start this up. So, so what do we, what do we have to look forward to? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, I think that I just want to do something that has to do with, um, being able to communicate across cultures, which I feel like I've kind of had some training in. So, but just through this and through being in settings where I've been immersed with people from other, other cultures and other parts of the world. What have the people of your faith community said about this, um, function at state? Um, actually, surprisingly, it's been very positive. And the reason why I say surprisingly is because, um, I, tried really hard to make sure that it um it stayed separate from the religious aspect um this year it's it's uh muslim student association is helping us out some but i mean in the past i i worked really hard to make sure that it was kind of its own separate entity because i didn't want people to see it as some type of a conversion thing and um i also um wanted it to be about people's experiences so um i have I have received some comments about um, some people don't like the fact that um, don't like the way that the veil might be um, defined through the the through the event. But I believe the whole point of the event is not to paint this rosy picture, but to show a more gritty picture that's actually more honest. And for everyone that just might have tuned in, we are talking to Sarah Yassin about Behind the Veil, an event tomorrow night, well, tomorrow all day and then tomorrow night as well, where non-Muslim women are invited to participate in a social experiment by wearing a headscarf uh, for the day and observe the reactions of others towards them um, and their reactions towards others, I suppose. And then there's going to be a discussion with a woman doctor from Duke, correct? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Um, Dr. Miriam Cook, is, and I hope that I don't like butcher this completely. Um, <laughs> she, I've never met her before, but she seems really awesome. Um, she, she's written a lot about Islamic feminism, and um, she's done a lot of work abroad. And she, she teaches at Duke, um, and we picked her specifically because, well, she isn't Muslim, but she, she's. She's researched a lot about Muslim women and um, and she's specifically going to talk about Muslim women in the United States. So um, that's kind of the, the general area that we were that we were discussing. So um, I think she understands a lot about the political and the social implications of it abroad in, in the United States. And um, kind of a silly question, maybe, but are are men invited to this this whole production as well, or, or is this specifically geared towards females? Men are welcome to come to the discussion part. Um, <laughs> men, okay, men don't really have a fun hijab or anything, so they can't really wear a veil on their head. But <laughs> if you want to cover from your navel to your to your um, knees, that's cool. I would hope you would. Um, Anyways, yeah, because it's cold. So. A little bit, just a little. So I mean, maybe you can like write hijab from your navel to your knees, just so you know. People know that you're participating, but we appreciate it, though. And any support is awesome.
Wonderful. And the event is Tuesday, which is tomorrow, February 17th, from 6.30 until 8 p.m. in the Blue Room of Tally Student Center, correct? Yep. Okay. And if they want more information, where would they be able to find that? Um, they yep. can probably on Facebook, just search for Behind the Veil. Okay. And they can join the group? Yeah. Sweet. Events on there. And are there any other experiences you'd like to share with us tonight about Behind the Veil? Or maybe just your own personal growing up as you did or mm. anything that you, I mean, you, it could be a good story. It could be a terrible story. <laughs> it could be one of both. I've really just had awkward stories more than anything. Awkward stories. Awkward stories are always good. Um, I don't know. I've been asked a lot if I was Jewish. That's kind of interesting. Um, I've had, I've also had Middle Eastern people because I'm Middle Eastern, my family's Palestinian. I had a lot of people speak in front of me in Arabic because they didn't think I was Arab. Um, so some people some people have joked around with me and said that I really just wore the scarf because I wanted to, you know, be individual and, you know, kind of show that I was different or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I just had some really interesting questions asked, like, you know, do you wear that in the shower? Um, which the answer is no. Okay. I wish I could do that. That would be nice and lazy. Um, and then, you know, you might, and then the normal questions like who can see your hair? That's a, that's a very standard and reasonable And the answer to that one is? Is, um, women. So Megan, you could see my hair. Yes. And, um, my dad, my brother, brothers, I forgot I have three of them. And, um. (laughs) Suddenly they multiplied. <laughs> my um, my uncles, male relatives with the exception of cousins, because um, technically um, in Islam you can marry your cousins, which is another um, another show and another <laughs> story. Yeah, we won't go there right now. <laughs> Not now. That's Virginia. And your mom obviously can see her hair. Oh, too, yeah, my right? mom. Yeah. yeah. She's a woman, though. Yeah, you know. yeah. I guess she goes into that category. Eh? Yeah. Um, what other questions? Um, I'm trying to think. I've had some really weird ones, but I can't remember them. I've sat next to you and you've received some of these. So I know you have. Um, I, I feel like sometimes, um, wait, no, someone asked me if I was married to Osama bin Laden. And the answer is, <laughs> unfortunately, we've broken up. That would have to be a no. Oh, man. I, I don't know his location either. Um, <laughs> um, it's like Pokemon. I know. Gotta catch him. I can't remember. I can't remember any other questions. So for tomorrow night, you guys are invited to come out. If you are interested and have free time, 6.30 till 8 p.m. in the Blue Room at Tally Student Center. Um, and hear a speaker and share your experiences if you choose to cover where, what can they cover with? That's probably a pretty good question. If people are now hearing this and are interested or they're like, oh, I don't have anything. What do I do? Um, yeah, actually, that's a really good question. Um, it's really just a square folded in half. So any scarf would probably work. Um, even like a normal scarf, you can just wrap it around. But um, if you want, um, if you make it out to the women's center tomorrow morning, they have some, they usually have some extra fabric lying around. You could go to somewhere like Joanne's and just get a little bit of fabric and use that. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything anywhere else at the mall, just get one of those like 
nifty little neck scarves and fold it in half. Safety pin it. I wish I could show you how to do it right on now. the air. On the air. It's a little hard to show things on the air, I know. unfortunately. Are there instructions anywhere that you could look up that are maybe linked to, like, the Facebook group or something? Or Yeah, on the Women's Center's website, they actually have a whole thing of instructions, so you can download that. And um, it has, I think we have, like, a diagram in there or something, because it's really easy. You just fold the square in half. It's a triangle, and you pin it in the middle. It's, okay. It looks art, like, looks all, like, artful and stuff, but it's really, really easy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any other stories or any thoughts to share with anybody about tomorrow night? I think I think it's just it's it's a really honest experience. It's not meant to um it's it really has no religious purpose. It just has the I mean, covering has a religious purpose, but I mean, it's more of just talking about the experiences that people have. So, it's definitely a good experience and um, you can ask our panel any question you want and um, our speaker any question you want. You can ask me whatever you want. So um, if you've ever had any questions about it, that's really the time to come over there and ask away. All right. Well, thank you very much, Miss Sarah. You're welcome, Miss Megan Carroll. And um, that will be the end of our show tonight for the State of State. And as always, we are a show based off of creating a sense of community here at NC State, finding things that kind of go underground or unnoticed. So if you know of those things um, and you'd like to enlighten us of them, you can always send us an email at state, of, uh, state at wknc.org or stop by the station or give the station a call at 860-0881-515-2400. I'm always looking for the underground things to be covering. So without your help, this would not be possible.